Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Latin Poetry Podcast. My name is Chris Franchese, and we are looking today at the first chorus of Seneca's Hercules Furens, the tragedy uh, Hercules Gone Mad. And it is um, the situation here is that Juno has just finished her opening monologue in which she whips herself into a frenzy of rage at Hercules. Uh, it was night when the play opened, right? And Juno uh, keeps pointing out constellations as evidence of Jupiter's mistresses and their children by him who have been raised to the stars thanks to, thanks to Jupiter. Hercules is the worst, she thinks, because he will stop at nothing to take over Olympus. So she's afraid for her own position. Uh, yeah, and, and she's just, yeah, well, we did, we did that last episode. I won't dwell on that. She resolves to make uh, Hercules his own destroyer and summons the Furies to her aid. Right, so that's what's just happened. As the chorus enters, they sing of the dawn, uh, and then they deliver an, a kind of encomium or praise of the simple country life away from the ambition, greed, and corruption of city life. Obviously, Seneca knew little of country life, which can be just as full of ambition, greed, and corruption as city life, but, you know, the sentiments are conventional. Uh, choruses in tragedy are often made up of humble folk who do not want to get involved in the dangerous endeavors and conflicts of the high and mighty. So this is kind of expected. Uh, they form a, the, these choruses, when they're like this, form a, a contrast really to the, the passionate, outsized main characters like Hercules, and we'll meet the evil, wicked tyrant Lycus in a little bit. And at the end, the, uh, the chorus criticizes Hercules mildly for having the presumption to visit the underworld before his appointed day. Uh, death is coming soon enough for all of us, they point out. The poetry here is is terrific. It's more lyrical and contemplative than the thrusting, fiery rage of the opening monologue. Uh, the meter is Anapestic Dimeters. Wow, this is a new one for Latin Project Podcast. I'm really excited. Uh, anapestic Dimeters. <laughs> right, so an anapest is two shorts and a long, da-da-da. Uh, the basic foot of this meter is the anapest. Dimeter means four feet, so the group in groups of two, so two two meters, double meter, two sets of two anapests. Uh, but there are substitutions possible, so you end up really with four feet, or two sets of two feet, and each foot is either an anapest, da-da-da, or a spondy, da-da, long-long, or a dactyl, uh, long-short-short, da-da-da. So these four feet make up the dimeter. On occasion, you do get a uh, a monometer, which is you know a set of a single set of two feet or a half line. Um, so yeah, just to give you a sense of, how, yeah, I'll exaggerate the meter so you can sort of hear it. Um, so it actually starts with a monometer, yam ra ramikant. So that was a spandi yam ra, and then amikant is a an anapest. Then the second line, si de reprono languida mundo. Da 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 da. da. That's that's a um, a dac in, this, in this case, it's dactyl, spondy, dactyl, spondy. And um, let's see, the third line has an anapest in it. Nox wictawagos contrahit ignes. So the, the end of the line ends up sounding like the end of hexameter line, shave and a haircut, right? Dactyl, spondy. Fairly often. Uh, but occasionally you get 
the uh, more Anapest like line 132, yeah, yam kai All right, you never get four Anapest in a row, even though it's called Anapestic Dimeter. Um, there is a line, 137 has three, no, <laughs> two Anapests, a so it goes, labor ex oritur du ruset omnes. Da, 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 da. That's an Anapest, da, 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 another Anapest. Da, 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 with that um, dactyl spondy that's more familiar from hexameters. Uh, all right, so the uh, elision and hiatus are very rare indeed in this meter. There's only one in this entire chorus. Um, and the the division, by the way, of these anapestic choruses into lines is somewhat controversial, right? So the, the manuscripts differ. Remember, you sometimes you can get a monometer and then a demeter uh, one could imagine a trimeter if you you could make some of the lines longer into anapestic trimeters to mesh with the sense units if you wanted and, and like I say the manuscripts are a bit all over the place on this so the modern editorial convention is to stick to dimeters with an occasional manometer uh, sometimes that seems to kind of close off a section sometimes not here in this case it happens to begin that's that's a little bit random um, overall, however, the feeling is of a short line with a bit of a marching feel, but syncopated. So, you know, labor ex oritur du ruset omnes, agitat curas aperit quedomos. All right, and I won't exaggerate it that much when I read it, but um, that's, you can listen for that as sort of underlying how the longs and shorts are put together. All right, so first chunk, uh, lines 125 to 136, the chorus comes in, they enter, and they say, Now the constellations shine few and far between, rara mikant, languid in the setting sky. Conquered night diminishes the wandering fires, now the light of day has been reborn. Yeah, so it's deeply metaphorical here. Uh, conquered night, nox victa, contrahit vagus ignes, sort of musters or marshals the retreating stars is almost like they've been an army that's been defeated yeah and then um, the okay then it goes on phosphorus that's the morning star the planet Venus gathers the shining company um, yeah nitidum augmen is the word there cogit nitidum augmen again with the military metaphors thinking of the stars as like soldiers the Arcadian bear this is the, the Big Dipper, of course. The Arcadian Bear, a chilly constellation of the lofty heaven, with its seven stars, turns her wagon and calls the daylight. Now the sun, uh, Teton is the common poetic uh, uh, word for that. Now the sun peeks out from the top of Mount Oita. All right, this localizes us in Thebes, where this play takes place in Thebes. Uh, riding forth on blue steeds, Kairuleis equis, beautiful phrase. Now the frost, the, sorry, now the forest groves that are famous uh, for the Cadmean bacchants are growing rosy. So, uh, right, so Dumeta, that these are uh, glades or, you know, forests that are in Cleta, famous Cadmeis bacchis from the Cadmean Bacchus. These are the worshippers of Bacchus, who um, are the daughters of Cadmus 
in some cases, or just sort of the people of Cadmus, the, the, the female inhabitants of the land of Cadmus. Uh, and if you know Euripides Bacchae, you know how that doesn't end well. Um, and then he says, so very me highly metaphorical language, these forests are spattered with the day, <laughs> beautifully, aspersa die. And of course, in the Bacchae, they're spattered with blood. So you could see this as being pretty uh, ominous. All right, and the sister of Phoebus, that is Diana, flees to return. So the moon here, foibi soror, fugit, flees, reditura, being about to return. All right, let's read those lines. Yam rara micant, sidere prono, languida mundo, nox victa vagos, contrahit ignes, luce renata, Cogit nitidum phosphorus agmen, signum celsi glaciale poli, septem stellis arcadus ursa, lucem verso te mo nevocat, iam caeruleis e vectus equis, titan summa prospicit oita, iam cad meis inclita bacchis, Aspersa die du meta rubent, foibi que fugit reditura soror. All right, so that's the lyrical description of the dawn. Uh, now the course turns to the the people in the landscape, and they're getting up in the morning. All right, so next lines: hard work durus labor rises. This is sort of personification, right? Hard work rises like a person getting up out of bed, stirs up all cares, and opens every home. So agitat curas, like gets anxieties going, gets people anxious, and gets them going about their daily tasks. Yeah, the shepherd plucks forage that is white with chilly frost and sends out his flock. The bullock, the young cow, in other words, plays at liberty in the open pasture, his forehead not yet broken. Ludit prato liber aperto, he plays freely, free um, in the open pasture. Nondum rupta fronte juvencus, the, uh, with his forehead not broken, that is by horns, he's too young to have uh, grown horns yet. So this is pretty idyllic, little baby animals running around having fun. Mothers at leisure restore their Teats. <laughs> That's a little weird. Wakuai reparant ubra matres. So they've been uh, giving their babies milk and now they've got to rest. Wakuai. And they reparant their ubra. They got to recharge, <laughs> recharge their udders. The kid, as the baby goat, wanders lightly with an uncertain course, frisky in the soft grass. Errat cursu incerto, right? Uh, and he describes the kid as petulance, some beautiful words meaning sort of saucy or frisky in the soft grass, Molly Erba. The Thracian mistress hangs tunefully in the top bow. Of course, if you know your mythology, the Thracian mistress, the Pylex, that of course is Philomela, who uh, became the nightingale. So the Thracian mistress hangs tunefully in the top bow, and amidst the complaining nests, yearns to spread her wings to the new morning. Ah, this is a beautiful Latin in this particular case. Pinnas novo tradere soli gestit. She guessed it, that is, is eager to, 
uh, tradera, to hand over pinas, her wings, noosoli, to the new son. So tradera there, just a really inspired choice for handing over, or in the showing, in other words, her wings um, to the new son. What a great image. Uh, the sailor, risking his life, dubius vitae, I like that, uh, dubius, uncertain of his life, entrusts his sails to the winds as the breeze fills the slack sails. A fisherman, dangling from an overhanging crag, yeah, pendants, just like the nightingale, exaces scopulis from literally from eaten out rocks, in other words, from like a cl overhanging cliff, um, does one of two things. The fisherman, dangling from an overhanging crag, baits his deceptive hooks or anxiously gazes upon his catch, his hand closed tight, presumably on the fishing pole. So the Latin is kind of hard there. Seneca says, out decaptos instruit hamos. Literally, he equips his deceived hooks, and decaptos is the hard word there, deceived or deceiving. They're hooks, they're fish hooks. They're going to be deceiving the fish. Or suspensus, uh, hang, uh, could mean like in an anxious state or literally hanging over something. Spectat pressa primia dextra. He looks at his primia, that is the, the fish presumably, pressa dextra with a hand pressed, like a, either like clutching the fish maybe, or it could be uh, holding tight to the uh, rod. If you imagine him, he's got one on the line. So pressa dextra, he's holding on tight, looking at his, his catch. The line feels the trembling fish, sent it tremum linea piscem. Labor ex oritur, durus et omnes, agitat curas, aperitque domos. Pastor gelida ca napruina, miso pabula carpet, ludit prato libra aperto, nondum rupta fronte juengus. Wakuai reparant ubera matres, errat cursu lebus incerto, molli petulans haedus in erba. Pendet sumo, stridula ramo, pinnas quenovo tradre soli, gestit querulus inter nidos, thracia pilex. Turbaque circa confusa sonat, Murmure mixto testata diem. Carbas aventis, credit dubius navita vitae, laxos aura complentesinus. Hic ex esis pentens scopulis, aut deceptos instruit hamos, aut suspensus spectat presa primia dextra, sentit tremulum linea piscem. All right, now we transition to the sort of moralizing piece of the chorus. He says, these things, this is what they do. Hike, this is what they do. Those who live a tranquil, quiet, harmless life and have a home content with the little it has. In the cities, urbibus, boundless ambitions, I'm translating space as ambitions, boundless ambitions wander and trembling fears, trepidi, trepidi metus. One man tends to the haughty entrances of lords. And here we've got some Roman details 
you know, peeking into Bronze Age Thebes <laughs> at this point. Ille superbus aditus regum durasque fores expert somni colit. So colit is a key term in the patron-client uh, relationship. The, these are people who are colliting, that is, coming to visit or, and, and sort of buttering up and, <laughs> and doing services for uh, high-status people. Here it's styled regum kings, which is also a word for patron. Um, informally in, in Latin, superbos aditus, their haughty entrances. In other words, they, they show up early in the morning for the salutatio, as Roman clients do for their patrons, and they're locked out because the great man is not awake yet or the doorman won't let him in or something like that. So this is that sort of humiliating situation that you read about in Juvenal and Martial. Uh, it's clearly a very much a part of Seneca's uh, environment as well. All right, so one man tends to the haughty entrances of lords and loses sleep waiting outside closed doors. That's how I do duros fores. Another man accumulates wealth and riches without end, gaping at his treasure in Hian's gazis, uh, and is a pauper in the midst of piled-up gold. Right, this is a familiar um, sort of philosophical, moralistic uh, oxymoron, right? You know, you have all this gold, but you're still a pauper because you think you're poor, right? You're a pauper in the midst of piled up gold. Seneca talks about this kind of stuff in his letters a lot. Uh, all right. The favor of the people dazzles another man, and the mob, more fickle than the sea, lifts him up, swollen with pride on an empty breeze. That's it's beautiful, right? Populi favor atonitum, dazzled, stunned, literally, <laughs> thunderstruck. Uh, fluctuque magis mobile vulgus, the, the vulgus, the, the voting mob in this case, uh, which is more mobile, more, more fickle than the waves, fluctu, uh, tollit, lifts him up, uh, uh, tumidum, swollen, in other words, with pride, aura inani, on an empty breeze. Yeah. Another man traffics in the fierce quarrels of the clamorous forum and, in an unprincipled way, profits from anger and words. And of course, this is a reference to people who work as advocates or lawyers uh, in, in legal cases in the forum. Clamosi fori, the forum is you know, always described as being really loud. <laughs> people are shouting all the time. And rabiosa, people are angry about some dispute that they're having that they've taken the form to get solved. And so the city dweller here is making money in a kind of unprincipled way, improbus, is how I translate that, yurgia wendens, literally selling feuds. Ah, beautiful, yeah? Yurgia wendens. And iras et verba locat, he literally rents anger and words. <laughs> so he, he, in other words, he profits from angry words or resentful words, words and anger, it's the hentieties. Haec i nocuae quibus est vitae, tranquilla quies, et laeta suo parvoque domus, spes imanes urbibus errant, trepidi quemetus, ille superbos aditus regum, Durasque fores exper somni colit. Hic nullo finef beatas componit opes, gazis inhians, et congesto pauper in auro, illum populi favor atonitum, 
fluctuque magis mobile vulgus, aura tumidum tolit inani, hic clamosi rabiosa fori, iurgia vendens, improbus iras et verba locat. All right, the course finishes now with a um, sort of more philosophical turn about the, the fleetingness of life and the imminence of death. Safe quietude, secura quies, knows few men, knowit paucos, few men who, mindful of the swift passage of time, hold on to moments which will never return. Malucus memores aiwi tempora numquam reditura tenent. Hold on to them. Enjoy life while the fates allow. That's dum fata sinunt vivita laetia. Live happy. <laughs> Enjoy life is what he means. Life hurries with a swift course, and the wheel of the hurtling year turns with each swiftly passing day. The harsh sisters, these are the, the fates, the parkai, complete their allotted work, nor do they re-spin their threads. But the human race, unaware of itself, yeah, so this is gens hominum, incerta sui, in other words, un, uncertain of itself, unknowing of its, ignorant of its best interests, is what he means, rushes along to meet its hurrying fate. We seek the waves of Styx, as the underworld river, of our own accord, ultro, stugias, ultro, quaerimus undas. Hercules, you're in too much of a hurry with your brave heart to see the gloomy shades of the dead. And at this point in the play, this is where Hercules is in the underworld going to get Cerberus, which he has to bring back as his last labor. The Parkai are coming at their allotted time. They do not yield to anyone's command or defer anyone's appointed day. The urn receives us all too soon. Recipit populos urna quitatos. The, the urn receives peoples in a hurry. <laughs> so quitatos, uh, I translate that as all too soon. Uh, let another man, says the chorus, let another man seek glory in many lands, and let talkative reputation praise him through all cities, and let it raise him equal to heaven and the stars. Let another man go high in a chariot, curu sublimus, this is another, seems to be another um, Roman reference here, to the triumphal chariot, yeah, so they're seeking military glory, and the summit of that is the chariot ride up to the Capitoline. Uh, let my home, let my home ground, the chorus says, let my home ground with its safe secluded home cover me. That is, when I die. So it says, me, mea tellus, my land, lare secreto tudoque tegat, cover me over, lare secreto with a lar, which could mean like the household god or the house itself. A lar that is secreto in a withdrawn location, tuto and safe. So they want to live the sort of the Epicurean ideal of like living without being noticed, just. White-haired old age comes to inactive men. <laughs> All right, so he says, Wainit ad pigros to unactive men, canas white-haired old age. In other words, uh, 
they do not die young, these, these pigros, these sluggish men, inactive men, and the shabby fortune of a modest house rests in a lowly position, but does so securely. Um, yeah, this is really cool. Humilique loco sed certa sedet, in a humble location, but sure, but safe, sits, and then here's the subject, sordida parvae fortuna domus, the, literally the shabby fortune, sordida fortuna, of a modest house, parvae domus. Of course, what he really means is the the modest fortune of a sh of a shabby house, but he's transferred the epithets and to make that beautiful oxymoron, sordida fortuna, which is, should be a contradiction in terms. Uh, that's lovely. And then he says, live, then they say, lively courage falls from on high. Alte virtus animosa cadet. Right, this is a key line, I think. Alte virtus animosa cadet. Animosa virtus, that's like big-hearted, brave-hearted, courage, like that of Hercules, cadet alte, falls from on high. I want to get back to what that, what that means in a minute, but let me read this final section. Novit paucos se cura quies, qui ve locis memores aiui, tempora numquam reditura tenent. Dum fata sinunt, vi vita laiti, properat cursu vita citato, volucri quod die. Rota praecipitis vertitur anni, durae peragunt pinsa sorores, nec sua retro fila revolvunt. At gens hominum fertur rapidis, obvia fatis incerta sui. Stugias ultro quaerimus undas, nimi alcide pectore forti properas, maestos vis remanes, Certo veniunt tempore parcae. Nulli iuso cessare licet, nulli scriptum proferre diem. Recipit populos urna citatos. Alium multis gloria terris, tradaret omnes, fama per urbes garula laudet. Caeloque parem tollatet astris, Alius curu sublimis eat. Me mea tellus, larese creto tutoque tegat. Venit ad pigros cana senectus, humili queloco sed certa sedet, sordida parvae fortuna domus. Alte virtus animosa cadet. Right. Okay. Oh, wow. Amazing stuff. So you can see uh, the criticism of Hercules in this last part, and, and the commentator Fitch, who has the sort of standard commentary in this play, uh, puts a lot of stress on this and says, like, this is the key to understanding the play, that, that the, uh, what he says is that the chorus, this chorus, quote, establishes a standard of normality in the conduct of human life and indicates by that standard Hercules is indicates that, by that standard, Hercules is condemned. Right, so for him, the moral of the play is that Hercules is 
you know, overambitious, and he should just rein it in and, and not uh, try, try not to break the bounds of human life by reaching the underworld. All right, so there's a grain of truth in that. You can see they're definitely criticizing him in some way, but you have to keep in mind the genre right here. This is this is not a tragedy. Tragedy is not a genre. It's not that Hercules is some sort of bad guy, right? And in fact, tragedy is not a genre that has good guys and bad guys. Uh, it's a genre with, you know, d different kinds of characters. You have the great, like Hercules, who fall. That's, that's integral to tragic plots. And you have the humble who watch in shivery terror as this all goes on. The chorus of Euripides Medea, for example, is just like this. They're kind of <laughs> appalled by Medea and her outsized emotions. Um, so I see that you know Fitch is an authority in this play, but I, he really seems off base in this regard. Uh, Aristotle is right, right, when he says that when we see a he says this in the Poetics, when we see a bad man punished for being bad, the effect is not tragic, right? Justice is being done. You're like, good, guy got what he deserved. There's nothing tragic about that. The point of having a chorus of ordinary people who just want to live a simple life in contrast with the grandiosity of the hero who rises to unbelievable heights of endeavor and status, um, you know, only to fall and become the most wretched men on earth. This is, think about Oedipus, right? He's at the pinnacle, he's the king, he's this problem solver. And then he ends up being this just polluted outcast criminal. And that, that's integral to the tragic effect. Tragedy is not just something bad that happens. It involves a greatness and a nobility brought horrifically low. And that's, of course, what's going to happen in this play exactly. Uh, to say that we're supposed to admire the chorus for being ordinary country folk and like condemn Hercules for being Hercules is really, I think, to miss the literary effect and the tradition um, that Seneca is working in and that his audience expects. Anyway, all right, so uh, terrific. I'm gonna go on and uh, do some, some later scenes. I probably won't read the entire play, but uh, I'll just pick, pick my favorite passages as we go. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. If you like it, uh, recommend it to your friends and uh, like it on iTunes and whatnot, and uh, do send me a message with any suggestions or requests you might have, and I'd love to see them. Thanks a lot, bye-bye.